Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, question everything listeners. Dane is still in Australia. He's almost coming back. I miss him too. Um, so this episode is recorded when he's on tour. Uh, he's uh, talking to another great Australian comedian. Um, and uh, the sound quality isn't what you normally get. But hey, it's still a great episode with lots of good chat. So enjoy the show, guys. And remember, question everything. Hello everyone, welcome to this special episode of Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. Myself, host, comedian, writer and occasional actor Dane Baptiste. I am currently on tour in Western Australia, but that won't stop me from posing the questions that need to be asked and we are talking everything from my usual producer friend and co-host Howard Cohen, aka The Hizzers Question, how many fucking British people are in Australia right now? It looks like a ridiculous amount. Howard, I've not done a census. At the moment it's myself and Bob Franklin, I know for certain. And a few others dotted here and there. Um, but I can understand the subtext, Howard, and wish you were here. I will see you soon, buddy. Um, so I understand the FOMO. Um, so if you do like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, and you'll never miss an episode. Please uh, check us out on Patreon for additional content and to support the podcast, where we can take the levels up and provide you with more of the content you need from our guests. And our guest today is an Australian actor and stand-up comedian. Across his extensive and illustrious career, he has won awards including the Golden Gibbo and Comedian Choice Award at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. His stand-up special, Cowboy Mouth, is available now to watch on YouTube. And he is also very, very dexterous with the clippers and has kept my hair from going absolutely fucking mental on this amazing tour. He is also a vegan and a avid skateboarder as well please welcome to the show mr david quirk db that's what i call you now isn't it half the time absolutely um thanks for having me brother um what a wonderful intro ah thank you Um, and all pretty much true you know i'm i am an avid skateboarder um amongst other things but yeah, DB, that comes... See, I call myself DQ. I call... If, if anyone's got half-decent initials, that's what they become to me. You I know what I mean? It. Yeah, DB is fine with me. Uh, also, <laughs> DQ is good as well. Yeah. Uh, so, like, Quirkio as well, Quirk. Yeah. Uh, DQ. Douglas is another one of your... Uh, Monikers that's yeah. popped up. It's great, man. And, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I like, obviously, this, the skateboarding thing I, I want to discuss later as well. But oh, good, yeah, good. Very, very avid skateboarder and a very talented one as well. And I think... Uh, Thank you. Like comedy, is one of these things that people see that looks very fun and looks very easy, but takes a lot of concentration and requires uh, particular conditions to be done well. It does, man. Um, we'll get back to that later, but condition. Talk about yesterday. I went out at midday in this heat up here in Broome, where we are. Yeah, it was, it was wrong choice, man. And I f- tried to do this trick that I used to be able to do. I'll just keep this quick, but battled it for probably an hour and just then became obsessed with trying to do it. Yeah. And I, so I set my camera up. I was like, if I land it, this will all be worth it and then didn't land it so i walked away exhausted with nothing to show for it and i was like don't don't do tricks quirk just flow like a surfer flow like the nile yeah i like it so you know what i mean I anyway that's my that's a little intro to skateboarding and no it's good man i i, I think people want to hear more about it I, I, it's, it's definitely something i want to discuss because i find it fascinating and uh thank you yeah it's a, it's a good additional talent to have you know being an adept and award-winning comedian is one thing but also being able to have a hobby which you excel at is a good thing as well um, with that being said, uh, you are a very esteemed guest on the podcast, and I'd like to invite you to ask the first question, uh, which can be any question you like, about mm. anything you'd like, which I'd like to discuss for a little bit, and then I'd like to pose a question to you to ask the same amount of time. Yeah. Um, also, I understand you'll be at the Fringe this year, so we'd love for you to tell our listeners where they can find your show, yeah. and for some of the great work you've got coming up, and uh, work you've got past, present, and future. How does that sound? It sounds bloody brilliant. Cool, cool. Thanks, well, Dan. DQ, uh, the floor is yours to ask the first question. Well, could I just say because and what I mean? Though I know you can, you very much interested in all things, you know, social, mm-hmm. political. Yep. 
um, which is one of the questions. But I thought, could I just ask, just for the pure pure fun, start off Absolutely. with fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe it's just a quick part on the first question, don't? I or think is that out of the? DQ, listen, as our esteemed guests, and you know, uh, we are on tour together, and uh, developing a, a strong fraternal bond. All, you can ask both questions. Okay, brother. All, all better off. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask this. Do I have ADHD? <laughs> Good question. Because um, uh, it's been on my mind a lot. Yeah. And uh, I, you, we've only met a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. and But I wonder if there's been any things where you're like, yeah, this guy is clearly on the spectrum. or And I'm, I'll take it, whatever you've got to yeah, say. Yeah. Um, because I had... Uh, the reason why I bring it up is I've been with my partner, Gemma, for six-ish years now. Mm-hmm. And... Either my we lived together for a long time now, and either my behaviour has gotten worse, whatever that behaviour is, <laughs> or she's gotten less tolerant. Okay. And I think I haven't changed. Mm. I've done. I've always been this way, and yeah. and now <laughs> now it's causing this sort of like rift, you know. And mm. it's hard at home, and yeah. um, you know. And as you've seen on um, the tour, I'm quite good at just misplacing information, forgetting things. Yeah. Um, but also really good at remembering other things. Yeah. You know. Um, so, yeah, there's compartmentalizing going on in my brain all the time. Uh, yeah, so, but have you... <laughs> and no, it, you've really, seen it with the tour manager, haven't you? It's, like, a, it's a really good question, yeah. yeah. And, uh, obviously, there are times where um, everyone has their own, like, idiosyncrasies mm. and uh, ironically have their own quirks. Yes, but, no uh, pun <laughs> intended, yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I think for a quite a long period of being away from home and having gigs I think that it's a for me as a comic I think it's a natural inclination to sometimes bury yourself in alternate activities mm-hmm. and for the mind to wander because I think it's a way of helping to avoid the monotony of tour as well especially if it's for not sure. the first time you've done the tour because you've done tour of Western Australia previously yes, as well yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know there are a lot of elements of the tour that can be monotonous whether it's the set uh, whether it's the driving and staying in hotels and living out of a suitcase, so it's very. I think it's very easy to uh, kind of develop a disposition where you can yeah. get distracted or focus on things. But at the same time, I've also observed that same it's... time you're a fuckhead quirk. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Listen, but you could, you know, no, no, go, man. Nothing being a fucking, you know, I, I, I have also questioned if I have uh, ADHD myself, mm. and uh, I think I have a lot of traits. But I, I've. From what I've observed for myself and yourself and people in general is that I think we just live in a world that has become massively more uh, overstimulated. Yeah. And it can, and for particular people like ourselves who uh, make a living from our mm. livelihood basically derives from um, being able to indulge in various yeah. stimuli and uh, and also pay attention. And to the the abnormality of it all becoming is becomes normal yeah like that is the norm you know that this what we do it was strange as it can be day by day yeah 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 that's an interesting take and and i think i think a lot of time with ourselves in particular it's uh we endeavor to notice things that other people Mm. might miss and at the same time some of the more banal aspects of life or the human experience we uh i suppose tend to analyze or over analyze Mm. and sometimes deconstruct these things to the point whereby it can become a natural inclination of us to maybe ignore the more uh, yeah, conspicuous, like, as- conspicuous aspects of life and almost get lost in the background. That's interesting. Yes. And sometimes, yeah, and sometimes yeah. it's like, it can really just be like a look into the distance where your mind is normally uh, orientated towards maybe thinking about things and restructuring yeah, your experiences yeah. in a way that might be able to interpret through the medium of comedy and that's it that's yeah. a very hard thing to turn off sometimes yeah totally it's a very, it, and so it concerns the reason that yeah I think you know ADHD for me personally I think it's becoming more of a part of neuronormality as opposed to being interesting yeah yeah being like neurodivergent because you know the rate of human technological advance I think is definitely outpacing the rate of human evolution yeah we are um, being able to you know you look on a screen nowadays and you know, your your mind is being filled with like, like 14 million different colours. Yeah. That's improving all the time as well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You're getting a higher resolution on screens. You are 
the what we used to call like the super information highway in terms of the internet has expanded exponentially mm-hmm. um, to the point where it's now given birth to a whole new life form mm-hmm. and you know this is happening this has all happened at the uh, in the space of like maybe 10 years at yeah. best if you're looking at a graph it'd be kicked yeah, right up wouldn't it exactly yeah. and so learning to kind of rationalize and process that, process that as human beings I believe means that we have to kind of maybe shut off some other parts of our mind Mm-hmm. Other times, it's like being able to be open to taking that information because I feel like, in terms of some maybe traits of ADHD that I've shown, I'm always reminded of that image of uh, it's a Batman. I think it's in the Dark Knight, where he's like underground in the Batcave and there's all these TV screens and he's watching mm-hmm. all at the same time. And I feel like there's been several times when I've been surrounded by screens, mm-hmm. and to me, it seems quite normal because I'm like, well, I'm doing this because it's important to maybe keep my finger on the pulse of humanity mm-hmm. in terms of how it functions on social media, but then I might also be paying attention to, I guess, more uh, classic uh, mediums like television mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. same time and stuff as well. I might be thinking about material at the same time. And to I'd say to most lay persons, that would be overstimulation, but I feel like I'm taking it all at the same time and, and uh, yeah, yeah gorging, gorging myself and stuff. It doesn't mean it's necessarily bad, but it, could all, it, it possibly is bad maybe to just... Yeah be so stimulated maybe and these things could also be a way of justifying now you know it's like well this is you know it's my life it's my gig and i I need to know but that's how we well that sort of brings me to that's a thanks for explaining that day um i appreciate it i'm I'm trying the best i can because obviously myself it's also been hinted to me by my partner that my problems i have problems with concentration and 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 it it can be very telling with people that are having a conversation with me on the phone because yeah. I can be very deep into conversation and be having like a, a DNM or deeper meaning. Yeah, and then just, you just I will I will pass the TV yeah. and, and people will be like, "Are you watching TV?" And people can just tell in my the, tone and yeah. sense that he's distracted. Yeah, I suppose so, I've gotten that too. And, and yeah, I've got that, and and, it, and it's never from a place of malice or it's never something. No, of course you, not. You don't. You're not being considerate of somebody. But I always say it's almost like magpie brain. Like mm. even if I'm sitting down to maybe do something like write material, yeah, I can very easily be distracted by something shiny. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I can relate. And, I can and, relate and, and kind of look into it. But I, I, I just, I, I feel like it's, uh, it's very possible that you could be developing traits of ADHD. But we're of the same generation. Like we're like that's right, uh, elder millennials. Um, and I'd say really simply, there's a lot of shit that is in the world now that we dreamt of as kids. Like yeah. for me, the idea of being able to talk to somebody on a phone. Yeah. and see a their video picture, call or something a video yeah. call that was something that was a dream when we that was the Jetsons yeah, it, yeah. precisely and yeah. That, that's yeah. not our fingertips that's amazing like even like even the more things we definitely take for granted like the idea that you can have you can call a cab and your position is located by GPS and the position of the cab yeah. is located by GPS it's and they wild. can meet you that's like it's wild. not wild anymore but if you think yeah. about it it's fucking wild yeah even, even for me Shazam is one of the most yeah. amazing apps I've ever in my life the idea that like oh I can hear a song I'm liking it in a club I can hold my phone up and yeah. record it and tell me what the song is totally amazing and so and so like I'd say particularly for our generation where there has not been a uh, lot of research into analysing our uh, neural pathways and how they've responded to this change in technology it's probably something that's gone undiagnosed massively but I think it's it, but then there's, there's a gift and curse and there's a I think there's a balance there where you know at the same time um, if you are um, Oh, you do have ADHD. I mm. think I, I do have it as well. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a detriment because obviously you are able to perform uh, your job and create yeah, and, yeah, and express and uh, perform artistically to a very high standard. So it's obviously Thank having you. too much of a detrimental effect for my observation. But, yeah, um, it's hard to know. Well, well the, this is the last thing I'll say, Dane, is that, um, you know, someone who still drinks alcohol, as you've seen me do consistently on this trip and... Likes to uh, so-called party at times. Yeah. Um, sometimes, and they all the you know Dexies, what we call Dexies over here. Mm-hmm. Is it? Do you call them that over there? Dex is it Dexedrine, Dexamphetamine, which is oh, the medication for ADHD. Oh, Dexedrine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've heard of Dexedrine, but um, I think people use like is it like Ritalin and like Adderall and stuff like that as well. I think it might be like Ritalin. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it isn't. But dexedrine, I think it is. Yeah. But yeah. to be honest with you, the people that I've met that have neurodivergence in the form of like ADHD or ADD, I've never really focused on them about their kind of medication. Okay. And um, I think I think, and that's because I guess a lot of people our generation is very 
seldom discussed. Yes, yeah. Openly. I think people think it's something that affects young children. I think that's more. changing. Oh, yeah. like well, historically, I think people have. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's been more of a drive for people to analyze it in kids. But I've noticed that, like for older people, it's it's rarely yeah. uh, diagnosed, or people maybe not necessarily acknowledge it. Um, and I, I think a lot, a lot of women as well tend to uh, not be diagnosed by being on a spectrum of mm-hmm. being autistic mm-hmm. or ADHD. So, well, like when I think of Ritalin, like I have I haven't even heard that word for years. But I I used to think that's an American thing that yeah, parents too. give their hyperactive children. Yeah, and whether that's true, it seems like it's partly true. But these Dexies, we call them basically a thing that most people use as a bit of a party enhancer mm-hmm. and I'll have them if I'm having a drink and you feel alert and awake and yeah. not necessarily a high uh, but that's how I've used them and apparently they sort of were introduced to the west coast through this through here through WA Perth oh, okay. and like everyone knew about these Dexies over here all the comedians knew about them we're like over in the east going what are they, what's all that? You know, yeah, I never heard of them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and they sound good. I, I, I turn- definitely use one to like. Well, that's what I- write some material, or do like a show. Well, let me tell. This is where this is going, right? Um, apparently, it was just one dodgy doctor mm. who's now I think in jail because he was just writing scripts for anyone. Okay. So people, you'd get a, a bottle of fifty or a hundred or something. You could just sell them. Mm. Totally dodgy. Oh, of course. And uh, so that's what was happening. Anyway, that's I'd have these at night when I'm having a few drinks. So if they were available, mm. if I couldn't buy anything more illegal, yeah. And um, am I allowed to say that? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we have a very liberal uh, attitude towards uh, drugs here on the DBQE podcast. Good. Absolutely. So uh, well, it will lead me to my next question in some ways. But um, my point is, uh, at the end of the comedy festival in Melbourne, just gone, mm. I sort of had this routine each night. Because um, I live quite near where I was performing at the Melbourne Town Hall, yeah. I just I would have a shower pre-show, turn it cold, have a cold shower that would kick me into gear. I'd have a coffee about forty-five minutes before showtime, which I'm still doing here each night because I'm constantly tired. It feels like, and, yeah, which is yeah, it's a very tiring, it's very grueling. Even though you're the actual the, part of performing, it's not that bad. Yeah. It's not that bad, but. I think the, all the, the rigors of traveling and settling and... And going on uh, last like you are, like yeah. I said, it's like, that's hectic. you got to be at the theater like fucking four hours early. And um, I, it was the last weekend and I had these Dexies that um, a dude had given me and I thought, well, I don't want to be... Like, I have that when I have a drink. I don't want to be... Yeah. I need a clear mind for the gig. But I was so tired. Mm. I, I took... I broke one in half and had a half. And I think these are like five milligrams. Mm. So I, in, I took 2.5 milligrams. And I was really at a deficit before the show. Mm-hmm. The coffee and the cold shower weren't going to cut it. Yeah. And I remember being on stage that first night and I was like a laser. I was just like... The words were just... It was amazing, actually. Mm. And I was like, oh, this is the first time I've seen this thing is... This is not a party drug. This actually works for my life. It's a performance-enhancing drug. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just like... It was so crystal clear. And the material just felt good. And my relation to the audience... Relationship to the audience... It was amazing. So I... I've now... I've had a couple... Because I still had some left over. Or oh, maybe I got some off a guy here that I because I'm in WA and I've taken an hour before the show and just felt good on stage so my point is I'm like oh the I I might have ADHD and I might like to get prescribed these and not abuse them just use them when I need it Mm -hmm. yeah anyway that's that's my final word it's cool I have ADHD listeners and I have a lot more interest in the Dexies so watch, watch this space, uh, listeners. It could become a very, very focused podcast, depending on how things go. Yeah, you watch this laser-like <laughs> Baptiste focus. But, I mean, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I'm, I guess I'd say, ideologically, I'm, uh, I'd like to consider myself somewhat of a socialist or a humanist. Mm. Um, but I am definitely up for human advancement, whether and how we can achieve that. And mm. I think that there is a harmonious state that, we as people can observe with the use of technology as well. So I understand that something like that can be very yeah. effective. Um, I want you know, my life to be like that um, Bradley Cooper film. Um, oh, Limitless. Limitless. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just... I, I think so. I, I'd like to think that, you know, that, you know, 
pharmaceutical companies would be altruistic and understand what the benefits would be yeah. of humanity to provide that state. But, but yeah, I imagine yeah. what's more likely is that it would be a very high price tag and or some form of military contract would be involved. Yeah, fully. That kind of focus. We can't have everyone being that crystal clear, yeah. can we? I mean, well, we could, but then, you know, it doesn't really work well for oppressive or uh, dictatorial governments yeah, if absolutely. everyone's very focused absolutely. and pays attention. And, which is interesting because... Um, when I left the UK, uh, definitely in a state of social flux, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term, mm-hmm. where a polite uh, term, uh, yeah, very really? polite term, where essentially, more accurately, our uh, conservative government have fucked our country to the point where uh, teachers and doctors are on strike, and there are even some detractors who consider people, professionals in both these fields, to be uh, selfish for striking, which, right. which are. You know, I find um, incomprehensible. Of course, like, what a great way to spin it. You know, yeah, I find it incomprehensible. Um, for me, the availability of performance-enhancing drugs, properly applied, particularly to people who work in the education or uh, healthcare uh, sectors, I think any um, amenities that they can receive that can allow them to perform their jobs to an optimal level makes total sense. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's. I wasn't aware that something like that existed to help people who may have any neurodivergence, but just as a, a tool alone. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the I think it's the first port of call if you have ADHD at any age yeah. now. But now, of course, everyone, myself included, maybe even you, Dana, like, oh, I might have ADHD. But yeah, like I think fucking most people uh, yeah. have something. I think, yeah, I think attention deficit disorder is for a uh, overstimulated uh, populace is natural in the same way mm. that... Um, a world of post-austerity mm-hmm. I think has naturally produced a lot more depression in people sure. I think you know particularly for successive generations and generations said like the idea that you know there can be a lot of ridicule from our generation of you know younger generations and about them being snowflakes and mm-hmm. not being able to handle things however I think you know this is a generation that has in a very short space of time had to come to terms with uh massive social and political division in the West in particular. They've dealt with a global pandemic. Um, austerity mm. means that, you know, some of the more basic aspects of, I'd say the capitalist promise of being able to work and own a home and have a pension are being eroded before their very mm. eyes. Yeah, And so to an extent, I feel like, you know, it's very hard for someone not to feel depressed or experience any kind of uh, negative mental health, just trying to rationalize um the current state of being yeah, living yeah. at the moment and I well think said. the same thing with uh, ADHD as well is that like it's a very new world we live in now which is very bright and full of colour the world has become connected digitally so much that um, learning to kind of understand that I think is um, is, well, like well, a, is, a, is a symptom well I think that ADHD is a symptom of people just trying to make sense of that so possibly yeah I guess, I guess so I have no medical background. I just made it very clear to our listeners, so I can never give you a proper diagnosis, Dave. But um, yes, yeah. I did. I did ask. Didn't I think, I? Yeah, um, I, I think a you bit... have ADHD, but I think I think in, in many ways. But you're all right, mate. We're all, we're, all, we're all a little ADHD. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. And, I, and on that point, I, I appreciate you from being able to uh, hold this conversation for so long. <laughs> Without, just... I think we both have in common that it's it, it can be very easy for us to become at least visually distracted. But I think it's funny yeah. because it takes one to know one. So if, you're, if your yeah. eyes wonder, I never offended. I'm like, what the fuck? Because he's not even. Like, this guy's on my level. <laughs> yeah, this guy. Yeah. This guy gets it. But people this guy isn't it. rude. Yeah. He's just. He gets there's it. a million things going on Absolutely. for him. Absolutely, it's uh, it's it's third eye observations. I would That's say. That's funny. And, yeah. you know, and I think uh, you know, human beings taking a lot of the stimulus on a subconscious level anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think as a comic, sometimes the uh, artistic endeavor and what I find continues to inspire me is the attempt to try and. Uh, discover small parts even if they're like on a infinitesimal level aspects of my subconscious which I think can benefit the material because I think that's always the biggest payoff as an observational comic is that the dark, the darker you search and the deeper you uh, dig within the human conscious to find a premise for jokes and observations or how you approach talking about stuff is what um, will always give the biggest payoff mm. I think historically it's been like when comics used to discuss like social taboos or use profanity it was at a time when people were a lot more oppressed so hearing that was very cathartic for people to be yeah. like, oh someone's saying stuff that sometimes I think in my head but yeah. social etiquette dictates I'm not supposed to talk like that yeah, yeah. and I think it's the same thing now where it's like while we've probably passed that point where all the profane things have kind of been said 
there are still thoughts and people are still making sense of their reality. I think so, definitely, yeah. yeah. Putting yourself, so I think immersing yourself enough within it to the point where it can be ADHD, some could argue is very risky, but I think definitely, Dave, given your uh, tenure and proficiency as a comic, it's a... Uh, It'd be very hard for you to uh, be who you are without having a certain level of uh, hyperactivity. Yeah, I guess so, man. And yeah, yeah, exactly. totally. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Baptiste. <laughs> yeah. um, I hope the listeners got something out of that. Um, I, I guess I would. Uh, I was thinking, Dane, this, this came to me. This, yeah. yeah. Um, do, does, uh, what, oh my God. Didn't write the question down. Um, does cognitive dissonance make the world go round? Something I. Th- That's a really good question. A now good you, question. I can speak to that if you want. Yes, please. Um, yeah. What's influenced this question? I'll t- well, since you mentioned, since we've already talked about drugs, um, I was thinking, and I hope this. When does this go to air? Probably in like a week or so, I guess. Okay, good. That's not, that's down to Howard, depending on how he feels. So I appreciate you, Howard, and appreciate these things turning around so there's no pressure there. No, no, it's <laughs> more... Um, I, I, full disclosure, I was thinking on our last night here, mm-hmm. I was thinking about, I might talk to my friend and acquire some drugs. Yes. And then I started thinking about the idea of um, cognitive dissonance, uh, hypocritical the hypocritical nature that comes with cognitive dissonance. Yeah. And I was thinking about, you know, that I'm a vegan. You've already mentioned that. Mm-hmm. And that, oh, I only do that. I only, I only am that. I only sort of practice that mm-hmm. um, because of ethics. Yeah. It's the only reason. Mm-hmm. And I think there are... Um, I think it's the most valid reason, to be honest. I, yeah, I, yeah, I do too. I, I but think, I think in, at times when I've entertained about changing my diet and moving yeah. towards a more vegan diet, it's always kind of for ethic reasons, not just for the direct act of killing animals, but also yeah. the climatological effect that these industries definitely. have on the planet as well. Definitely, so, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah, there's almost no drawback, really. Um, it will always be a good thing. But so I, I'm saying the hypocritical thing for me is that I do live by this thing like uh, I walk the line and I talk I talk the line and I walk it mm-hmm. um, and it's quite easy for me to do that whereas it seems really hard for a lot of other people yeah. um, but then with something like the, say the drug cocaine mm-hmm. I have this brilliant um, cognitive dissonance because yeah. we talked about the show zero 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 yes did I tell you that that was the first show out of all the shows of all the um, Narcos of the Soprano you know you name the show that talks about drugs that was the first one and if you haven't watched Zero 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 I really recommend it I also recommend it uh, thank you for the recommendation uh, Dave it's a yeah. very good show so if you're listening watch it um, and that's all you're going to get from us Amazon otherwise you pay yeah yeah. <laughs> and they have taken it off this Australian site which is really annoying but um, that was the first show where I actually watched it and thought oh, cocaine is bad, yes. you know, which is so ridiculous because I knew it as well. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was the first time I've went, wow, okay, knowing that now, yeah. you, you, that's where you can make a choice now. Yeah. Do, you ever, do you never do it again? Because, do you put your money where your mouth is? Do you mm-hmm. walk the talk? And the answer has been no, apparently not. Yeah. I override it. I, I don't know these people. Maybe it's not as bad as I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they have got themselves into this position where they, you know, yeah, yeah. just like telling myself like lies and fictions and and yeah. So I guess that's what I'm saying. Does does cognitive dissonance does it help us sleep? Does it, you know, or or the other question is why aren't we better? Why aren't we better at? Oh, it's a, it's a it's a it's a very good question, and I think that. Um it really does using it juxtaposing it especially with something like uh, veganism is a really good point because I used to have a bit in, a sh- in on set in my set where I'd talk about vegans where I'd be like you know however when people have to mule cocaine over it yeah. still involves the bloodshed of uh, mammals in order for you to yeah. realise your lines of coke T- totally and uh, totally and not, and not necessarily from a uh, position of judgement but like it's, it's more it's, it's consideration because uh, I think the um humanist and ethical aspects of veganism does make sense yeah but then the question is how far do we extend that for it to be uh, to be 
completely genuine mm-hmm. and to be completely egalitarian because what you could also argue on the other side of it is that for everybody to maybe stop doing cocaine there is an enormous glut or an enormous agricultural workforce who have to grow, grow uh, coca plants and mm-hmm. cocaine because for them to be involved in Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Um, growing and exporting, I guess, produce in the form of like fruits and vegetables um, is not a lucrative trade enough for them to support themselves. Yeah, right, right. So right. Yeah, of course. Like, so I'm helping, is what you're saying. Well, it's... It, it, <laughs> Ironically, I'd argue at some well, yeah, there, the there, system, there elements of the system, the system where at, is, least, at least with uh, at least with some of the more illicit drugs, the um, along the logistic chain, the benefactors at the top of that chain are a lot of time no different to uh, fair trade produce. Sure, like for a very long time, you know. So, for example, the Ivory Coast is one of the world's largest exporters of cocoa, but I would go so far as to say that there aren't any cocoa farmers from. Uh, West Africa, who are sitting on the board of directors at Nestle, for example, even though without this product, none of you would be able to realise your financial potential or have right. this uh, share in the market. I'm um, with you, yeah. So I think, in terms of specifics, I think it's important to note, I guess cocaine is not evil, it's the cocaine industry that's evil. Yeah. And it's one of these things where I feel whenever you, there is a, um, a substance that is controlled, um, it always leaves it open for elements of criminality, um, or I guess um, because it's co- you mean control being illegal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Any time there's going to be criminalization of a, a substance, especially if there's a high demand for it, capitalism dictates that there will be a window open for criminality to occur. And so, been- why don't they? Don't, this is this is going beyond. This is probably more interesting to me than the cognitive dissonance thing because I think we can probably all agree that. Maybe it was a sarcastic question because we we all sort of live and die by cognitive dissonance. How we sort of we all have more cognitive dissonance, but I think it's actually very much linked to your first question that right. Sometimes some of our neurodivergence can um, arise from the fact that we have to engage a certain level of cognitive dissonance in order to avoid what may be quite severe depression if we were to acknowledge certain elements of uh, inequality within the world. Yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. I think yeah. Um, you know. What they say about cocaine it's not the getting high that fucks you up it's the coming down or going without that really messes people up and while you know people could argue it's a substance that can affect people I think that really that is a factor of uh, socio-economic equality because there are some people if their lives are relatively comfortable they can use cocaine in the same way that somebody has a glass of wine and they're still very highly functional totally, totally. and can continue to work whereas you know there are people based on their socioeconomic status where cocaine doesn't necessarily serve as stimulant. This is something that provides me with a certain level of balance mm. where I may not have the faculties or resources in order to receive prescription medication mm. and I do this to get through the day. Yeah, so, like, yeah. for example, in the States, um, like post chattel slavery, a lot of uh, African Americans would work as uh, longshoremen and they'd work on the docks. Mm. And obviously, in, in order for them to and if they were able to use cocaine at a time when it was a lot less controlled, it would allow them to be more productive. Yeah, right. Yeah. But what that meant was that it meant that they were... Kind of like the original Coca-Cola or something. Precisely, which yeah. also had cocaine, yeah. yeah and yeah. It, what it meant, however, was that it were, they were outperforming their uh, white peers in America, which then led to more restrictive legislation 
in the same well, way that we can't op- have that yeah in the same way that opium was relatively less criminalized and was a um a favored pastime of uh asian american uh immigrants who mm. were involved in building the railways in the states but again opium to, and whatnot yeah yeah but again due to uh the fact that it, a lot of uh working class white Americans were told that this would be able to affect their um, economic prosperity it was legislated against and I think that it's a very shady thing when it comes to controlled substances and drugs and one of the examples right, I tend to yeah. use is uh, there was a drug called Vioxx that was in the States um, which was really it was a heart medication mm-hmm. um, but a lot of negative side effects led to a lot of deaths and in fact Vioxx has killed more people in the States than um all the people that died in Vietnam. Right. And um, I think it was given as prescription to a lot of people as well, so it's had a massive negative effect. Yeah, um, sure. Another example would be um, thalidomine, which was a yeah. drug that was prescribed to women for uh, morning sickness. Yeah. And it caused the massive negative effects where it would um, impede the growth of fetuses. Right. So, oh, the, hence the thalidomide child. Exactly. Thing. So that came from... That's right, of course. Well. So, yeah, yeah. Um, when we talk about cognitive dissonance, I don't think it's necessarily something that we apply to ourselves just for controlled substances. Um, I think cognitive dissonance is um, it might it can be. I think it's maybe it can be a part of a uh, an umbrella of uh, psychological uh, abnormalities that human beings have. Mm. Again, just in order to process our reality, um, you know, you could argue is 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 yeah the umbrella of neurodivergence. And I think that, um, I guess the most succinct way I can put it is that in many ways, cognitive dissonance makes uh, people go around, but not necessarily the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I know, you, you, that was a, no, no, you no, know, no, just a it, term. Think, no, I, you I, knew I, what I, I meant. I know exactly yeah, what you mean, yeah, but yeah. I, I think it's, uh, so I, so I guess to answer the question, in many ways, it does make the world go around in terms of people and our understanding of the world, because you could argue cognitive dissonance it manifests itself and has very different names because there are many people nowadays who would classify uh, institutionalised religious belief as cognitive dissonance sure but then yeah. for me the counter argument would be um, what reality are we offering humanity that necessitates dissonance escapism or cognitive well, yeah. dissonance yeah yeah um, because uh, for example I think if we were if only not that it's ever going to happen but if only good things happened if everything was fair and just in you know trade or you know the veganism what we eat then i reckon there'd be no need for any cognitive dissonance yeah because it's like a it's a turning away it's a shutting off definitely and that helps us keep going yeah don't you think absolutely yeah i I think it it definitely keeps us keep keeps us going and it also is something that i think is um enabled by mm. a lot of systems I, yes. that, that tend to uh, misdirect people and, and can also try to influence people to their benefit. Um, and the reason why I went back to the vegan examples because I think it's such a great one where, you know, obviously being uh, of the African diaspora and of uh, Caribbean descent, mm. um, race relations is a big part of my experience. And of course. comedy as well. Of course. And a lot of time my peers and people ask like, Dane, how do you think racism will end? And... Or can you, do you think racism can end? And for me, I think the veganism uh, example is a good reply in that when you talk to people about giving up meat, you see the kind of how defensive people Absolutely. get about that because yeah. it, it's been something that has been inculcated to people socially, yeah. culturally, and you know, meat yeah. tastes, it, it tastes good. Yeah, and, and yeah. there are a lot, of, and there's a lot of chemicals involved. Mm-hmm. that are also is makes it pleasing to people in the same way that whether it's using any kind of illicit drugs mm. because as much as we can discuss controlled substances like cocaine or mm. heroin I take it for free fructose smacks knocks both of them out of the park without even breaking a sweat as far as uh, affecting more people absolutely yeah just being absolutely yeah yeah for me like we can talk about like we talk about like totally. uppers and downers but I would definitely say for me the holy trinity of uh addictive substances and cognitive dissonance fructose nicotine caffeine yep the unholy trinity right and yeah. because the thing about those three is that they are also allowed in countries or regions that are normally very repressive when it comes to like drugs like you can't you can't have a spliff or have a joint in Dubai yeah. but 
you go to a food court and there'll be about 11 different types of just ice cream parlor. Yeah, yeah. And in a desert where people so, are not walking, yeah, that's going to have an effect on people. And so, no, it's a great, it's a great point. It's explosion in like uh, it, it makes obesity me and cardiovascular Fully, problems. fully. Yeah, it's... The, the more you, you you go down this path, it seems every day, Dane, of just realizing how fucked the world is, basically, yeah. and just how backwards the systems are. And- but I, but I, don't, I don't think we're alone in that. And I think, you know, it's, I think that that is an esoteric thing in human beings that we have had thousands of years of evolution, which involves a uh, obvious and, uh, you know, it's a kind of like a inseparable link to nature. Mm. And I think that our current state as human beings in terms of like capitalism and technology kind of suggests to us that we are distinct from nature. Yes, when, separation. Yeah, there's some kind of separation. And I think that a lot of our dissonance, a lot of our neurological issues, a lot of our psychological problems stem from the fact that we uh, have cut ourselves off so we live quite an isolationist life mm. away from nature. It's not the way and, to and be, like, is it? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. When we talk about cocaine, whether it's weed or we talk about like heroin, all of these uh, substances have origins in, uh, have plant-based origins. I, saw, I thought, I realised that years ago that, hey, at least these things, yeah, sure, cocaine's got a bit of petrol in it, but at least it's uh, they're all vegan things technically. They are technically even heroin, even cocaine, marijuana, obviously. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that was one way I could sort of go. Hey, I'm still doing, you know, I'm I'm a vegan. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's it's, it's, it's it's it still comes back to cognitive yeah, dissonance, it's, it's, of it's, course. But it's, but but then you could argue that um, there was a time, especially with something like weed or with like opium, because it comes from poppies, mm. where there wouldn't have been this large. Uh, logistical chain and industry with a number of different stakeholders that would be involved in it because while it's like you say you i might be hesitant to confront the violence that is associated with cocaine you also have to understand if we all stop doing coke tomorrow what's the atf the dea fbi what would they do tomorrow yeah if their budget was now cut because drug enforcement was no longer required yeah, the well, I mean, way. they started the war on drugs. Didn't Precisely, they? and yeah. and how are you going to win it? Because what do you define as a drug? Because again, it's like these drugs themselves don't always. It's not really about their direct effect on human beings. They are catalysts for and and yeah, if they like dopamine yeah. or adrenaline, these are actually organic and natural to human beings. Mm. And the question really is, is that what are we supplementing it with, and what are we filling these holes with? So the cognitive dissonance, I think. In many ways, yeah, it's definitely needed uh, to. Uh, I, th- I think we need it, but it, it does. It help. It helps us to uh, process the uh, human experience. Yeah, the human condition. I had a comic once said to me. Oh, the comic once said to me when I was working on my first uh, Edinburgh show, and he said, uh, "The thing is, Dane, um, about the thing about the human condition is, everybody has it, and we're all going to die from it one day." Yeah, yeah, and I think that was the most profound thing someone someone has said to me. And having that understanding, that truth, yeah, has definitely allowed me to be a a lot less judgmental about people if they talk about mm. uh, you know substance issues. Um, yeah, because a lot because a lot of it's psychological. It's like it's like the link when I think ponder that the link between sex work and mm. drug addiction. It's for me, it's not something that's very hard to understand. In that, that's somebody who's looking for a psychological escape. And if you can achieve that, then the physical body doesn't matter to somebody. So performing a sex act in order to seek something which is actually uh, yeah. metaphysical makes total sense. Yeah. And that could be, and obviously cognitive distance, it's not something that's tangible, but we're all aware of it psychologically. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a number of, uh, that is a, that is involved in a number of issues that human beings have where there are um, psychological or spiritual um holes, voids, scars, punctures, wounds mm-hmm. that we have that we don't really discuss collectively in terms of developing the same kind of uh, psychological coping strategies to remedy. And so a lot of the time when we are seeking these things externally, it's always about something a lot more in- internal. So I think cognitive for the time being, we definitely need it to make the world go around. Yeah, um, yeah. Until we learn how... A, how to share it, uh, how to welcome each other to different parts of our world. Um, and yeah, just working on understanding ourselves, mm. you know, in the same way that uh, 
I've definitely seen a increase in gym culture and a focus in gym culture. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. But... Well, not of course, it's just but, we're saying oh, no, it. No, definitely yeah. of course, but yeah. whereas, whereas mental health is Less. still relatively new in terms of how uh, its relevance and... Oh, yeah, because yeah. you can't tie it to boast it on Instagram, isn't it? Um, how great you are mentally. Yeah. It doesn't um, doesn't have the appearance of um, some muscular body. It's not something, yeah, that we can always... It's not a tan. Yeah. You know it's what I mean? Not, it's not as easy to quantify yeah. what being okay is, which is ironic because most social media, it's first and only question is, how are you feeling today? Yeah. What's on your mind? Yeah. And it's ironic that, like, that's the question that we're asked on things like Facebook. But that's a question that if normally a person asks us that, we are a lot more uh, hesitant but like, to, good to reveal that. Yeah, we'll be good, thanks. Yeah, we'll yeah. be very uh, short or abrasive with our answers. Whereas a machine can be like, how are you feeling today? Oh, let me tell you about the day I had at work. Yeah. But, um, yeah. No, but I think, I think the dissonance thing is, is... I think you're right, man. I think you, I don't even go so far as to say that, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes people just need it to function. Mm. And, uh, you know, that can be positive and negative. I guess you could argue that dissonance has a spectrum yeah yeah um yes it does it does yeah. and i i could have and i didn't want to because it's i wanted to make it not too awful but i could have made this chat more about the veganism cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. but they're all the same that's yeah. why i brought up like but i mean but recycling is another example it's a great yeah right, totally because uh, largely because of the visibility that's involved it in is vi- yeah yeah i mean because I, I i i used to argue that you know recycling and vegan you know they are quasi-religious in that you're, you don't necessarily see everything that is involved in this uh, mm. practice, but you just try and do your part. Yeah. In the same way that, like, I give, I might give food to the homeless or give money yeah. to the homeless. I'm aware that I'm not really dealing with the problem, which yeah. is that, like, some people are basically uh, marginalised by capitalism as it exists, and mm. maybe I could work to be in, towards being much more of an anarchist or totally bringing down the system. I I know that feeling as well. But, but at the same time, it's like. Uh, you have to kind of rationalise and understand that you are uh, part of a much larger group and a part of a collective consciousness and you can't necessarily affect everybody well and also every I totally agree with you we could all do more like I I, uh, am not a vegan activist though I have talked about it in shows I've done and um, you know I'm I I really feel passionately about it but um, you know I haven't yet gone to a slaughterhouse and had these vigils that some of the people have for the animals as they're arriving you know but and of course but I think um giving money to someone on the street whatever it might be I doing even the smallest act is always still worth doing absolutely an act of good is just that you know what I mean and 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 actually it's it's uh I think it's one of the healthiest ways to address and maybe remedy any feelings of uh cognitive dissonance because I think if you can do a small act and, and it's from a place of altruism, I think that can definitely have a positive holographic effect mm. because at least you are showing somebody on an interpersonal level that, you know, you have empathy. Yeah. And human beings, we are reciprocal and social creatures and it's very hard for us to display behavior that we don't see. Yeah. So if someone is aware that you are capable of being kind, then it's like, well, if there's that's another it. person out there that's kind, then I don't feel as isolated for being kind myself mm. it doesn't feel as such a vulnerable practice to do the same for somebody else absolutely yeah man do you know um, I know we've probably got to move on to the other question but um, have you heard of Peter Singer's idea of effective altruism he's got uh-huh. a book about this yeah. it's I, th- I think he coined the idea of this effective altruism because he was sceptical because he'd done research on a lot of the the sort of the typical I should say or the um maybe some of the biggest um, uh, charity groups. Mm-hmm. And so he sort of, it's like he did an audit on them or something yeah. and worked out the ones that here's the ones you do regarding what, what they're making money for or yeah. raising money for. These ones are the ones, if you choose to donate any money at all, these are the ones to give your yes. money to because okay, cool. it will go, it's the best direct, effective direct use of the money and it, they're not ripping anyone off. Yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. good stuff. Good so he's got a whole book about it, mm-hmm. Effective Altruism, but he teaches it, I think, at Princeton where he teaches. You know Peter Singer. You're familiar with this man? The name rings a bell, but I'll have to do research. Look, look, look up Peter Singer. Just write that now. He's Australian, actually. He's okay. a philosopher, I suppose. Oh, cool. Um, he, and he 
he coined, he also uh, his first book was called Animal Liberation. So he was mm. he he was a front runner in this term speciesism. Oh, okay, yeah, I've heard that. Um, so anyway, but this has nothing to do with veganism necessarily. But um, he would he was train training um, teaching lecturing uh, this stuff at Princeton and one of the chaps one of his students uh, several of them but one in particular I know um, became so it's about donating um, having enough money to live and be happy and then donating the rest of it oh, that's yeah. what he's tra- that's um, and so this one guy one person became a merchant banker which on paper is a punk rock kind of mindset that I grew up with yeah. and still have today I'm like you don't become a fucking merchant banker ever. There's no reason for that. There's no excuse for that. This guy deliberately did it because he was smart enough to do this mm-hmm. and then makes a fuckload of money and donates most of it yeah. to all the good... Or- so it, Peter Singh would say that is the, the best way, if, yeah. you, if you're in that position, to give good, you know, yeah. make, make good. And so I just thought that's an interesting thing, effective altruism. Yeah. I don't earn enough money. At least that's how I, what I tell myself, yeah. to um, give too much of it away. At this particular point in time. But do you know what? I, it's, that's a really interesting point. And I, I think that um, you've touched on probably one of my strongest uh, traits of cognitive dissonance. Yeah, right. That, um, interesting. Here we go. That, um, I think I, it's a story I heard about like Dr. Faust making a deal with the devil for like wealth and prosperity. And as a kid reading that, I thought, well, what you could do is say to the devil, like, give me all this money or give me all the money in the world and then just give it to the less fortunate people. And that would be a great way of dealing with it. And it's not necessarily as, uh, obviously it's not really something that works necessarily that well in practice. But yeah, that's, that's maybe been part of my justification sometimes for, yeah, no, no. for desiring success and being like, you know, if I made more money and I did really well, well it would just be good for me and my fam- myself and my fam- yeah. immediate family. I could donate to interest yeah, yeah. and stuff like that as well. But it's, um, I guess it's understanding that on that trajectory, there are going to be uh, people who... Um, who do not benefit from my actions necessarily. Well, but, of course, of course. But I think I rationalise that by, you know, thinking about the job that we do, where it's like, I feel I've been able to find an occupation. Because comedy, and I imagine like for yourself, is that was well, something that was a hobby. Mm-hmm. And I feel very privileged to have been able to transcend that into a uh, profession. Yeah. But um, I do try to, uh, even when I'm worried about the level of success and fame that I have, I do try to rationalise it by thinking, you know, at least I'm in a line of work where I can potentially realise, you know, small fortune, but I'm not well, consuming it, resources of so, also I don't with, a workforce. Totally. Also with you, whether it say you kept every penny you made for yourself. Yeah. It knowing your Instagram and stuff now, you were at least trying yeah. through your own means yeah. to point out things, point out hypocrisies, point out the bullshit. Yeah. So it's education is a form, I suppose, of yeah. like... Giving, giving people the tools that make... If you have a voice and you don't use it, you, you, it's bad. You know, that's why we live in this you know, vacuous time. You, yeah. The Kardashians come to mind and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And well, it's, the, it's the artist or the act of art and or industrial art, I should say, whereby you can observe social mobility and be from a modest background and maybe transcend that in order to provide a platform or provide a pathway by which other people of the same modest kind of uh, extraction could do the same. Mm. And I think that that's been largely affected by the infiltration of art by influencers. Because while we've given and we've pedestalized this name influencer, the more prominent influencers don't really influence anything that can change anything mm. with the platforms that they have uh, one of the examples I would use is that like I have nothing particularly against Kardashians per se but I imagine if you were a Kardashian and you were pictured reading a particular book whether then you could very uh, you could very much influence the mindset of a lot of people particularly in America for example if you were to encourage people to you know do a lot more research or make more demands on transparency of bipartisan government you could have a very uh very positive effect on that. That's it, yeah. But then, but then I also considered that there was a time where uh, the West was gravitating towards a point where artists and uh, ideologues were having a influence on people and uh, they are no longer with us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, protest is something that is very much managed by uh, larger corporate entities. So... Um, yeah. Absolutely, man. There's some reason you're t- saying all that. I just want to say this is a great podcast because rarely do I get to be so pious. 
to to hopefully a listening audience. Um, But uh, another uh, tricky thing regarding um, maybe influencer culture. Well, no, it's just been ramped up, as I'd say, because of influencer culture. It's always been there, at least in my lifetime and earlier, is, and probably one of the, because I put veganism in as as the same category as any of the other social justice issues. I Personally, I do. But the other one would be is how we use and buy clothes. Yeah. Like that, we now know that that is, yeah, so like for being on the, Rode with Bob Franklin, mm-hmm. who you've just met for the first time, yeah. right, Bob, um, Dane? Yeah, I noticed he's even, I think, more hardline than me about that stuff. Yes. Like, you can tell he, even just by what he wears on stage, and he doesn't, he has no interest. He's, he's not defined or doesn't need new clothes, for example. No. And to the point where he's dead against tote bags. Um, <laughs> yeah. Blake <laughs> likes to acquire tote bags yeah. as little me- mementos. And I myself have these tote bags, but I... But, but Bob influences me to go, yeah, I don't, why do I need another bag? I, don't, I definitely don't need that. And yeah. I don't need as many things. Yeah. So it's one, that's a thing about defining what does make us happy. Is it buying new clothes? And let's say it truly did make you happy, which it doesn't. No. Um, if, it and, would and still be it, bad. And if it does, there is an external entity that's like, I hope that's not making you happy still because yeah. it's out of season. Yeah, 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 totally, <laughs> so, totally. So it's definitely, there is definitely uh, a lot of uh, but the, external but, entities that can... And it all, it also the, clo- the, the fashion thing comes back to cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. because we go, I don't know these people that are making their clothes. Like, it can't be as bad as we think, even though factories are collapsing in Bangladesh. Yeah, yeah. You know, anyway, blah, blah, blah. Moving on. Um, we don't have to move on, but do you want to ask me your question, Dave? Oh, no. Um, actually, what's happened is we, you've uh, asked what we call golden questions, where it's been so good and insightful. <laughs> okay, we've okay. Argue, we've been able to have the discussion. You've uh, satisfied. I've passed the test. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. It's, been, it's been a great conversation, uh, Mr. David Quirk. No, it has. It's a pleasure talking to you. But, and we've uh, really only scratched the surface, but um, well, you're, you are we're never going to f- answer these questions. It's more about just being aware of and maybe thinking twice when you... If you need to buy more clothes, what you have for your next meal? Um, do you buy drugs for the party? Do you, you know, these are, th- yeah. it's, yeah, we can. Consider, considering, and I think, I think contemplation and thinking is a big, is the biggest part of it. I think it is the, it's the best way we can avoid sleepwalking into cognitive dissonance mm. and by that same token, apathy. So I think it's good that, you know, sometimes just considering it, even when That's sometimes right. you're like, I want to give this homeless person money but i can't give them all the money right now i think sometimes just feeling bad about that means that you are still have certain semblance of empathy and you, humanity and you're alive yeah and i think the conversation is always going to be ongoing as we continue to be an evolving social species totally man so, and um this has been a chat by two uh early 40s men with, <laughs> with AD, adhd with ADHD. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which, which is not too bad. We're getting there, guys. You know, we are, we're rubbing our eyes, but we're doing our best to be working. <laughs> yeah. um, but Dave, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It's been a great conversation. Please, can you tell our listeners where they can find out more about your good works, what you've got coming up, what you're doing at the moment, and where they can see or hear you next? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you feel free to follow my Instagram if you want to see my middling skateboarding uh, and maybe hearing about gigs that I'm doing or the cockatoos that I feed. They're an Australian bird um, that land on my uh, balcony. But um, I'm do- that's at deadbeat, D-E-D-B-E-E-T, like beetroot, at deadbeat. Um, and I'm, I guess if, since probably I assume most of your listeners are probably, I assume, from the UK... Yeah, or America, maybe. I never assume, is it? Um, no, I shouldn't. I, yeah. uh, my research hasn't extended far enough. <laughs> I'm just assuming because you're from London. But it's um, going to be the spark that, in, that uh, elicits a whole new bunch well, of let's hope. Australian listeners. So. Hopefully. Um, I just, I guess I'm saying I'm going to be with, uh, at the same time as Dan, I'll be in Edinburgh uh, doing a show that I think is decent. Uh, come out if you're in the UK or want to go to the festival. Um,. I'm not, what else am I doing, Dane? Um, no, not much, man. Not much. Listen, taking, taking I've got life things. Day, taking life day by day, yeah, skating man. it out, thinking it out. But um, we'll definitely post your uh, information for people to find out more about your good works. Thank you, bro. Uh, but it's needs for me to say thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure and mine. Thanks, Dane.
You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste and myself, Howard Cohen. For more from Dane and myself, make sure you follow us on Instagram at DaneSnapTeast and at the Howard Cohen. You can now support us on Patreon. Just search DBQE Podcast and unlock ad-free content and you can watch the full-length video of the podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Dane, make sure you send us a DM on Instagram at DBQE Podcast and we could feature you in our next episode. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.